Before we kick off this episode, just wanted to give a quick little heads up that the last two times uh, we've recorded, we're experimenting on Zoom. You know, usually we do this in person. I got the uh, the equipment to do so in person, um, but now I'm trying to do it through Zoom. Uh, I still got a learning curve to it, and I'm by far uh, a tech expert. Um, you know, matter of fact, anybody who is great at this audio or knows how to do recording and podcast and you want to help the cause hit me up i could use help and we could probably bang out a lot more episodes if i if i had the help to do so but anyways getting back to it uh vic and philip their their sound is clear mine guys is going to be a little muffled i did my best to go through and um adjust it as much as i could uh i think i got it a lot better than it was before but i wanted to give you the warning just so you know that that we know it's not to the quality that um that i usually like to do relationships are the most important thing in life having someone in this world that you can count on makes you feel safer Having someone that helps you achieve your dreams gives us the courage to provide for ourselves and the ones we love. Having someone accept you for who you are unconditionally makes you feel special and important. Having relationships like these are truly one of life's greatest gifts. And in order to receive all the pleasure that comes with this gift, you must allow yourself to be vulnerable. For being vulnerable is the only way you can experience true love and deep meaningful relationships. And it's because of this vulnerability that we feel so much pain when we mourn a loss of someone so close to us. In the midst of mourning your loss, it may be, it may not be easy, but do your best to remember that the amount of pain you're feeling is in direct proportion to the beauty and pleasure you had in your relationship with that loved one. And in tonight's podcast, we have returning guests, Victor Vega and Philip Rendon, to help answer some questions and share their experiences when it comes to coping with the loss of a loved one. So Vic, I'd like to to start with you, and if you could tell us a little bit of your experience when it comes to coping with loss. Um, so the person that, for me, that, um, that I've had probably the most difficulty and I still have issues with mourning and coping is with my mom, right? Um, I didn't get the full on experience when she passed away. I was, I was in county jail and, and I was in isolation. And when I got the news, um so it was like I broke down right away. Um it's not easy for me to cry and break down. It's something that's really hard for me. Um but I broke down right away and, and, and I was in a place where you know um I really had to hold my demeanor and, and carry a certain behavior and attitude and, and but I couldn't hold, I couldn't hold back, you know, I, I broke down and um, what, what made it hard was because there was, you know, the last time I had seen my mom, she came to visit me um, like four weeks before that. And she was really sick. Um, she had a migraine and her face was all swollen, but she still came to see me. And 
um, I could see that she was sick right away, and and um, and I told her to leave, and she didn't want to leave because <laughs> she's a stubborn lady sometimes, uh, and um, that's her way of showing love is by being stubborn sometimes. And um, so I asked the CO to cancel my visit so she could go home, you know, and um, she left, and that was the last time I saw her, and. and um, you know, they let me out for like six hours to go to a rosary, but you know, there's this, there's this numbness you feel when you first get out of jail. Um, at least for me, when I get out, like the transition from being locked down and I was in ISO, like full lockdown at that time to going out for a couple hours. And, um, I really didn't process it. I was there, but I was just like distracted. And, you know, I went back for, uh, I went back to jail and, and you know, I got out, and for me, I really didn't know how to cope, right? I had lost my grandparents before when I was younger, and that, that hit me big, both of them. Um, I cried for them because I, I was really close to my grandparents. I spent a lot of time for them. They were always my security blankets. Um, with, with my mom, I think the difficult thing was that um, I blamed her a lot because of my addiction and the way that my life went. Um, so there was still like, there was a lot of love for her, but there was also a lot of like blame and kind of hurt and anger towards her. And so probably when I got out of county jail for like over after she passed away for over a year till I went back to Santa Monica in early 2014, um, I got really bad in my addiction. Um, I wouldn't say I was coping with it, but what happened was this one person that was always there for me, no matter what, no matter what I did, no matter where I was at, was now gone. And so I didn't have that security blanket anymore. And so no matter how old I was, it was, um, even though I was in my 30s, I was still a kid inside and, and I still kind of depended on her, you know, and, and, and so she was gone now. And, um, you know, when I, when I finally, um, when I finally got my, my act together, I really started working on that because I knew that it had an effect on me, right? Um, honestly, I, I, in, in all truth, uh, my acceptance is that my mom was really sick. Me and my brother didn't do anything to help that. Um, we caused her more harm than anything. Um, and I was really bad at my addiction. And in truth, I feel like God had a plan that she needed to rest and I needed to get my life together, right? In retrospect, I look back and um, I don't know if she was still alive. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know where I would be, you know, because she was loving, but her love was kind of enabling. And so I don't know where that would have taken me. But, you know, finally, when I got my life together, I was able to think about, okay, like, okay, this is big in my life, right? I didn't get to say bye to my mom. Um, they, they have this thing in 12-step in recovery called the fourth step and the fifth step. And you write down like your resentments and you write down why you're resentful towards a person. How did it make you feel? What did it hurt? And then what was my part in it? And so I wrote that out and I wrote why, you know, I wrote why I was disappointed in my mom. And um, cause you know, I, cause I kind of expected her 
you know, as a kid, I guess, I know for me personally, I expected more. That's my mom. You know, we look at moms like, I still look at moms, especially single moms, as like, like the strongest person ever. I don't know how the hell they did it, right? I don't know how moms do it sometimes. They do it with so much. I Like my mom was always, used to always dress nice and she was always like, beautiful and took care of everything my mom had a lot of pride in her presentation and the way these were um and and so um you know that for me that was like talking about it right um it started with that and, and being honest in the way that i felt of how she kind of i felt hurt by her you know but i had to be honest whether it was true or not um those were the way those were the feelings that I felt. I couldn't look at like what other well, she did this for you, she did that. I couldn't because that's that in my reality, like that's my truth, and that's how I felt. And so I had to be honest with that with talking to another man. And I was talking to another man in, in sobriety. So, you know, I had a sponsor that I was working with, and so speaking about how I felt, right? And um, I think a lot of times um people are always saying, well, I think a lot of times people might feel like, well, you can't say bad something bad about a person because they're gone, right? Um, and it's not, I wasn't saying nothing bad about her to disrespect her. I was saying some, uh, stuff about the way I felt to process the way that I felt, right? It had nothing to do, because to anybody else, I wouldn't say anything bad about my mom, you know? It was just talking to the man to process, it was part of my healing and my coping, right? Um, and I had to do that. And that was like a big process because, you know, and then there was guilt on my part for not being there when she passed away, right? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could have stopped it because she was sick, right? I don't know if I would have made it worse, but um, um, I, I really don't know actually what happened. And I, I, I like, like, I'm scared. Of, I don't want to know. Like, it's, it's cool. Like, she's gone. So there's like, you know, there's like no point. You know, I know she was sick and I, now she's resting. And so that's important to me. Um, I really don't want to know there's like a fear inside. Um, but um, then I started writing letters, you know, then I kind of like that negative stuff that I had towards her. Um, I try to turn it around and see like, what was my part? Like, what did I do to cause that? You know, uh, I wasn't always the best son, right? Um, I love my mom. She would travel miles and miles for me. I, I talked about that last time. Um, she would travel, make sure I was always taken care of. Um, she did what she knew was best, what she thought was best, what she was equipped with. I, I know that now more because I'm a parent now, full time. Mm -hmm. So I, I think like, damn, how the hell did she do that? Right? Now I can look back and be like, how the hell did she do that? Like she took with me and my brother both. Like we were like, we were always in trouble. We were always doing something. There was always somebody at the house, you know, um, you know, um, uh, one time, um, me and my brother did something, and my mom was at work, and it came out on the radio, and she had to hear it in front of her coworkers. You know, um, that's back in the days, aging ourselves, huh? But that was back in the days, <laughs> and you know, I could just imagine how she felt. You know, I I just wonder, like even with my daughter, and she doesn't answer the phone for like an hour, I worry. Mm -hmm. Right when I'm trying to get a hold of her, so I just can't imagine how my mom felt with me and my brother just being out and about, and you know, especially when we were out together. But um, writing letters to my mom and just telling her how I like writing these letters and telling her how I felt, you know, after she passed away, how I felt, 
what good she did for me. Um, that was part of the healing process. And, and you know, um, there's a little uh, gap between um, uh, Ventura and Santa Barbara where it's all coast. And I've pulled over there many times and um, kind of like talked out to the ocean like it was my mom and kind of just tell her about my life. Talk to her about my daughter. My daughter was her only granddaughter. Um, um, uh, my my daughter loves her, right? My daughter has cannot say one. You know, my you know you know kids and their grandparents is a different relationship, and like the way that my uh, um, my daughter just speaks of her, my daughter misses her, and you know um, I'm as you know I don't think the healing for me personally. I don't think the healing process has stopped me. Just, but it's getting good because, as like I said, as I as I have my daughter more and more, and I learn how it is to be a parent every day. I I understand more why my mom wasn't able to do this, why she would be tired, why she had to get away sometimes and take care of herself. Right? I didn't understand that then. I understand that a lot more now, and so that helps with that. And um, I wish you know I wish I could spend time with her and talk with her, you know, and just be like, hey, this is like I would love to just like take her out to go eat to lunch or, and just talk with her for a little bit, right? I know it can't happen. Um, it's just something that I hold in my heart. Um, how, how close is it when you're out there talking to the ocean and you're talking to her? How, how close do you feel to her and her in those moments compared to, you know, you actually physically being with her at a dinner? Um, the, the dinner thing is almost like just like, like a little child dream, you know? when a child dreams that's what it is for me um but um just i don't know it, it's it just it just kind of feels good because i can say it out loud you know and just express it out loud um um yeah um it, it's i don't know i i i have i have one picture of my mom i have it blown up on my desk um she's smiling she's happy I didn't always see my mom smiling, so I have a picture of her smiling. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, my mom came from Mexico when she was young. Um, I don't think she finished high school. She worked at this job for a long time. Didn't make much money, but was loyal and committed to them. Um, I think one thing that stands out to me is I think about when I was a kid and I lived on Selena Street and there was a bus stop across the street. And I would watch my mom catch the bus every day and go to work and come back home. You know, uh, I never heard her complain about everything. Uh, she just like handled her business. Um, which was a trick, you know, I never really saw my mom, you know, it was, I never really saw her uh, partying or, you know, acting crazy. She was always like really, you know, um, she had this this thing about her, you know, uh, this pride about her. Uh, she always dressed nice. She was always so nice to people. And she, she's the kind of lady that would, if you, if she got you in a conversation, you better hold tight because she's gonna, you're going to have to listen for a little bit. She could talk. Uh, I've heard that from a lot of people, right? She, I mean, she's funny, but um, I think uh, one of the ways that I carry her memory is um, I used to, uh, we used to go grocery shopping together. And I love, I still love going grocery shopping. You know, I take my daughter grocery shopping. Uh, you know, and for a long time, I, I felt like, okay, like I don't want my mom in my life, but 
then I remembered, like, am I going to be feeling like that and, and holding on to that feeling? Or am I going to look at what I have? And what I do have is I have my daughter. I have that relationship with her. And, and um, um, right now they're making chocolate covered strawberries. Um, teenage girls got life. I, I love the energy they have, you know, it's cool. And uh, they wanted to get more chocolate, but I told them I can't do it right now. I'll take you after, but they're so like, they want to do it, you know, and they're doing it for other people, which is cool. You know, they're making it for other people and they're going to make them as gifts. And so like, that makes me happy. And I do what I can to support them in that area. And, but yeah, like, I mean, um, I come to realize that getting high and drinking is not going to cope, help me cope with anything. It's just going to push everything down and make it, you know, suppress it even more. And so I get out and, you know, um, I still go visit my mom at the cemetery and take her flowers and, and just tell her how my life's going. And, and I don't know if she hears me. I mean, you know, I don't know, but take her flowers and, and. I think um, she hears you, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. Somewhere, right? Uh, well, I think like um, one of the memories that I have is when you graduated from the Salvation Army. Yeah. And that's what, that's what you said. Like you, I, I forgot exactly how you said it, but you were talking yeah. about your mom always wanted to see you like that, you know, yeah. and dedicated to her. And I yeah. remember that, dude, like that, that made a lot of us cry. Yeah. Because we knew you for so many years and, and we're there to support you. And then yeah. you saying, mom, I think that was powerful. So I think she hears you. Yeah. And Vic, I, think, I got some questions written down and I want to circle back to you on. Yeah. Now, like to see, and thank you for sharing that, Vic. I know, I know, I know it's not easy and, and I appreciate you doing so. Uh, I'd like to pass the mic to you, Philip, and if you'd be open to sharing your experience. Yeah, I'm like I'm kind of a, I'm kind of in the middle of it. You know, it's only a couple uh, years since my my dad passed suddenly, and um, it was ultimately a, a a result of of alcoholism. He knew he was sick. He knew he was going to pass. He didn't tell any of us, but um, you know, he just died suddenly. They called they called me, and for first they thought. Uh, we couldn't find him. We didn't know where he was and we were afraid that it was like an immigration thing because that was also something that was kind of uh, looming. We were you know, always kind of living in fear that he was going to get caught up that way and I was afraid that he was going to die in Mexico alone. Um, but then they found him that he had passed away, had a, a heart attack, I believe. I, I don't know exactly. I don't even like to think about it, but I just, uh, I remember just running out of the, the tattoo shop. I was getting ready to tattoo and I jumped in my car and I like ran every red light went through all the lights, the, the flashing lights, all the way from Ventura, all the way to Oxnard. And I got, got to the place on um, Victoria where the fields are, you know, which they reminded me of my dad because my grandma worked in the fields and things like that. And they called me and told me getting passed. And uh, I, I was really angry. I was really angry because, see, he, was, he, was, he wasn't my biological father, but he raised me since I was three years old. And he treated me like his... Uh, his biological son. A lot of people didn't even know that I wasn't his biological son. And uh, my real biological dad, I, I met later in my thirties and, and, and I don't mean this to slander him or anything, but he never really did anything for any of us. He wasn't around. We didn't have a relationship. And I think it was kind of a natural reaction. It's like, why did, why did you take the one that was so close to me and that meant so much to me? And, and, and the other one is just here. He didn't, he didn't do anything for anyone. And I, I know that's kind of a harsh thing to think, but that's something that I thought. You know, and I remember showing up at my dad's house because his body was still there at the house. And um, I was there and I 
calling my daughter, like my oldest daughter, because my kids are really close to him. Like we're we're a real tight knit family, you know. Every anything that's going on, we're always together. And uh, just the scream from my daughter, both my daughters when they when they came, just just that scream that will always live in my heart, you know. So I'm kind of like in the middle of grieving. I wouldn't say I'm doing well with it, to be perfect perfectly honest with you. I've 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 done a lot of self isolating. I've stayed away from people. I've just kind of wanted to be in my own thoughts and. Um, there's some nights when I just go to his house where, where he passed away and I park there and I fall asleep and I wake up in the morning because I just want to be close to him because there's no there is no grave site they, they chose to cremate him and, and things like that and that made it really hard so I go and I do like Vic was saying and I go and talk to him but you know it's like ironically like I fell in love with the Lakers because of my dad when I was a kid watching Showtime Lakers and everything like that and I used to sit on his lap and watch it and and uh, when the Lakers won, it was kind of surreal. Like I was in shock when they just won this last year. Yeah. And I was, I was wishing he was here, but I felt like he was with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when the Dodgers, because he used to tease me about the Dodgers, he said the Dodgers were sorry, they're never going to win. And when they won, it was just like all those memories. I wish that he was there, but I was with my kids and I was with my grandkids when we were watching it. And it meant something. So yeah, grief is just different for everybody. I don't think there's any timetable. People will tell you, we well, got to get over it and move on, but it's not that It's not that easy. This is someone that he meant everything to me, man, like everything. I was really, really close with my dad. So um, I'm, I take it day by day. Some days I have good days. Some days I don't have good days. Some days, uh, some days I'll cry a lot. Some days, uh, you know, I'll just sit there and listen to his music and things like that. But when you lose someone that close to you, there's just no way that you could fill that void. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I really couldn't even give any advice on how to how to deal with that. You just got to take it one day at a time. And like Victor says, really uh, process the, the good times and remember all the good things. And I remember my dad saying how proud he was. And I remember at the funeral, all of his friends saying about how he bragged about me. And um, I'm glad that I made him proud because I know that I worried him when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Always on the streets. I would leave for days at, time, uh, at a time and he wouldn't know where I was. I would get in trouble. I'd get locked up, whatever it happened to be. Um, but I'm glad that I, I live long enough and, and he lived long enough that I can make him proud. And we spent a lot of time going on vacations. I would take him to the Raider games and all those things. So that stuff really meant a lot to me, especially towards the end of his life, not knowing uh, that he was going to pass. But I got to spend all that time with him traveling, going to check out the Raiders and things like that. So that's just that's how I'm dealing with it, man. But it ain't easy. How much how much worse do you think it would be for you if you didn't spend all that time? with them, you know, in the years prior to him passing? I, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I, I mean, I've always been so close with them and we're always together, always together for every like sporting event, uh, uh, you know, just come over to my house and listen to music and things like that. So I don't know what it's like not to have him around. So I guess that's, what, that's, what's really, really hard. Like with my real dad, I never, I just never had a connection with him and I have love for him and, and, I don't have any hatred or hold anything against him. He had his own demons that he had to deal with, but we just, he's more like a homie, you know, like I yeah. see him and it's like, whatever. I actually haven't even spoken to him. He hasn't called me and I really haven't called him in the last two years since my real dad died. And is it my stepdad died? I'm sorry. All those memories, Philip, do they bring you comfort in a way when you're able to think about those games you went to and, and the experiences you shared together and, and, Looking back, does it give you comfort or how do you pain to think about those? 
they they give me a lot of comfort. You know, we laugh and 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 we joke about it, and we just just think about the funny things he would do. Like he's the only one I've ever known that was able to sneak beer into a, a NFL game. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know, he he snuck beer in the NFL game, and then you know another time that he, it was he was just funny. He would do random things like that and get away with it. And I was like, what the heck? We went to a UCLA game and there's no beer inside. There's beer outside the stadium. And he snuck it in and he got busted because he was cheering. And he, he raised up his beer in the air like that's in the security caught him. So we think about that stuff and it's funny, man. But then there, then again, that there's there's sometimes when uh, usually when my kids talk about it or my kids will post about him on social media like missing you. That kind of stay breaks me down all the time. Or there's certain songs that boom, it'll it'll, it'll break me down. So. The memories bring me a lot of joy, but they're, it's just, like, unbelievably painful. I can't even explain it. Uh, uh, I lost a lot of people, bro. I, 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 we lost a lot of friends, and I lost a lot of people, and I almost started getting numb to it. Uh-huh. So many people were passing away. Not that we didn't feel for them, but it was just like, okay, this is just kind of the routine that, that we're going to go through, and this sucks, but you're kind of used to it, but you're not used to losing someone that close. Yeah. Well, the reason why I asked is because so much people – love have love for their family members or just ones that they love but they don't necessarily uh think about how regretful it may be to not spend time with them when they're here and then they're yeah. thinking that or wishing that they would have so, i tell people that all the time man i'm like you you never he, he texts me the day before he passed away and one of the things that i still do is i text his number and i'll text him and i go you you may not read this but i'll, I'll send him a message and I didn't miss any opportunities, so I'm I'm very very grateful that I didn't miss those opportunities. He'd call me, boom, or if I didn't answer the phone, he would show up on his Harley. You know what I mean? And I would hear the Harley cruising up to the shop, and he's like, "Hey, what's up? You're not calling me back. Are you hungry? You need something? What's up with you?" Yeah. I didn't miss those opportunities. My relationship was really really good with my dad. You know, more more so as an adult. Like I said, I was a knucklehead and I kind of did my own thing, but it it really makes me think, you know, because like a lot of um, a lot of weird family stuff started happening after my dad passed away. And it seems like my family that we were super close, always together kind of got divided. So those are relationships that I feel like I got to work on more. But uh, right now it's just kind of, I'm, I'm focusing more on my kids, mm-hmm. my kids and my grandkids, just any minute I can to spend time with them. And you said it's been years since he's passed. It's almost two years. Two years. And, and you're saying it hasn't gotten any easier. Has it gotten worse? Uh, I, I've learned, I learned to cope with it, but it just, it hasn't gotten any easier, mm-hmm. which is like, I didn't think that can happen. Like when my cousin Brad passed away, it, it killed me, you know? And then when my grandparents passed away, it still bothers me. Like every time I go to their graveside, I still cry, you know, because, uh, they put Brad's ashes in there with, with them, some of his ashes. Um, and I miss a lot of those family members, you know, but it's just my, my dad. I don't know, man. It was just different because you know what? He stepped up to be my dad and he didn't have to be. He was just a young kid himself at the time and he wasn't perfect and he made a lot of mistakes, but he was there, man. Like I, he was there all the time. So that's something that, that uh, no, nobody gave me other than him and no one can ever take it away. Awesome. Thank you, Philip. Thank you for sharing that. Vic, how did the blame that you had for your mom or that you put on your mom at the time how did it affect your feeling of the loss for her? It, it got in the way because um, I wasn't always able to see like the good side of things, right? Uh, but the, it was that was just pure like self-centeredness, 
you know, um, and not understanding either, you know. Um, um, yeah, I, I was thinking about what like Philip was saying, and um, I was, you know, how you said people greet differently, mm-hmm. and I was thinking like I used to be well, my, my when I lost my grandma, which was my mom's mom. Um, um, that 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 was big to me because I was really close with my grandma, um, and um, because my dad was uh, we didn't have a dad around, so uh, we spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house. I, well, I know I did. I was always there, but I used to be upset at my mom because she was so sad and depressed over the last loss of her mom, and I used to get offended because I'd be like, "Well, I'm here." I mean, that emotionally she was pulling away from me because she was you know uh going through her 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 loss with her mom you know um that was really selfish to me that's when i was in my addiction um but yeah i think the blaming thing kind of um took away took away um from being able to see bright spots you know so um there was some effort there, it did take some effort for me to like extract good things out of my mom, but now, now as I get older and like I said, spend more time as a parent, it's not as it's not as hard. Um, I could just like casually think about her and think about things she used to be, and my daughter will bring stuff up, and I'm just like, I I, I think it's kind of like the opposite of Philip when my daughter brings stuff up. I just see how like how happy she gets about it and how she enjoys it. So it's like it, it brings a smile to my face because. My daughter is, she's got this this like positive little attitude, you know, even for a teenage girl. And so if I could see her do that, then that kind of makes that that does make me happy. But would you would you say that first you needed to handle the blame before you could even start the mourning process? Um, I think it was a I think it was a little bit of um, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I'm not um I'm not big on crying. It's a hard thing. Like like honestly, I could watch like a good sports movie or some sports stuff and and I could cry, right? Like it's easy for me to cry for some reason. Yeah. I think I, I think because it attaches me to a good part of my childhood and sports, like sports is a good part of my childhood. But like death is harder for me to cry for some reason. I, I don't know why. I just don't know why. Um it doesn't make me a bad person. I just it's I mourn differently, and so I learned since since I can't really cry and be as sad. I, I just try to now now that I'm like emotionally stable, um, I just try to look, I guess, at good memories and good stuff. You know, that's that's what kind of works for me now. Let's let's. Um, I always think like, what would have happened if my mom would have paid more attention to certain aspects of my life. But I used to do that, but now I'm like, no, you know what? I went through my journey for a reason, and I am where I'm at. I love who I am because the experience that I have, now I'm able to, like, um, empathize with a lot of people that, that, that need my help. So I'm. it's not really so – if I look at that, too, that kind of takes away from it, too. Mm-hmm. And when you say you don't want to know about exactly the details yeah. how your mom had – yeah. Do you, you still have that closure? Like, are you okay with never knowing? Like, do you feel that? 
Uh, right now I am. Maybe if I get older, it might change. But at this point in my life, I'm cool with it because I don't know what I don't know how that would be beneficial to me in my life right now. If if I really found out what happened, I don't know. Like, oh, now I know. I, I mean, I really don't feel that. So, yeah. and maybe there's a little bit of fear of really knowing what happened to, right? But like right now in my life, like I'm cool with it. You know, yeah. I, I was a, like the same way with because my dad passed away at home. And I don't think anyone really knows how long he was in, in his house passed away. So that stuff bugged me, you know. And and even uh, when the police gave us a chance to see his body if we wanted to, when after they did the investigation, and I chose not to, you know. And then even when they did the viewing, I chose not to because, but for one, it was just too painful. But I just didn't want to – I didn't want to see him that way. I wanted to remember him the way we were. So it's like I don't need those – like I'm like Victor. I don't really need the details. I, yeah. I just don't it doesn't it won't do anything for me you know the 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 journey that it's kind of sent me down though is that uh realizing that i was a child of addicts i was never an addict myself but i was a child of addicts so i i and and his death was avoidable you know and and that made me a little bit angry um but i also understood that his addiction was linked to whatever trauma he went through that he had to deal with and you would never known that he had gone through any kind of trauma because he was just always laughing, always joking, always happy, always positive. But, you know, I, I try to reach out. I, re I get to talk to like a lot of my clients, the younger clients, um, you know, they, they talk to me about their parents being addicts and, and what they've gone through. And then I'll share about being, you know, my dad dying from alcoholism and things like that. And I could relate to those people from that standpoint, you know, and I feel like that, that has some, some sort of a purpose, even though it's very painful. And was, was he an addict of when he died or had he been sober for a while prior to that? No, nah, he, he, I only, my dad had a weird way of making alcoholism seem like it was normal, dude. Like it was just, they just drank and it was, and it was fun because he wasn't mean. He didn't beat anybody. He didn't, uh, he didn't act a fool. He still, when he was working, he still went to work and all that stuff. So it was kind of normalized, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until later that he started like being a little bit more obnoxious when he would drink and things like that. So, um, it, he never, I don't, I only remember him being sober maybe once in my lifetime, you know, and now it's now, now that I'm going down and dealing with all this inner trauma that I went through in this childhood PTSD, I'm starting to remember all kinds of other crazy things about all the fighting and, and, and all the things that happened when I was a kid, but I don't remember him ever being sober. His last two years, like I said, he knew he was going to die. We found the paperwork. All he did was ride his Harley around and go to all his little watering holes, hang around with his friends, hang around with us and things like that. So he never got sober. If anything, he went like even further. Like he's just like, on a party all the way on the end. Does that, does that cause you any anger or does that make you happy that he lived his last years doing what he wanted? <laughs> Like the, 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 uh, being a child of an addict is very painful for me, but it doesn't make me angry the way that he lived. I'm glad we didn't know because the way that my dad is, it would have made him miserable if people were trying to control him because I don't like anyone trying to control me or telling me how to live or what to do. So I'm grateful that he made that decision himself. He didn't try to bring anybody down with him. He's just like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to party. I'm going to do whatever I, uh, whatever I want to do. I'm going to go see whoever I want to see and, and, Ain't no one going to stop me. So actually, it brings me a little bit of joy knowing that he did it his way. You know, I think of that Frank Sinatra song. I, I You know, he did it his way. And, and I'm cool with that. And, and you're a man of faith, Philip. Yeah. How much prayer do you put 
towards what you're going through right now, coping with the loss of your father. I got. I have to pray every day because the the loss opened up a can of worms. It opened up a lot of things that happened to me when I was a child that I was able to suppress and block. And I realized like I have a lot more issues to work on than I thought. I realized why I had relationship issues or why I've had like uh, parenting issues with the things that I did that were not good as a parent. So uh, it, it, it's deep, dude. I got to pray a lot. I rely on God a lot. I rely on the creator a lot. Um, sometimes just to get it to the day I have like, I have anxiety attacks, you know, uh, often I'll have anxiety attacks. And there's been times when I'll have them when I'm in the middle of a tattoo, but my client will never know because I figured out a way to kind of like calm it down and just keep going on autopilot. But uh, it, prayer is big, man. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to get through it. I would probably, if I didn't have God and I didn't have like the guidance of God, like I feel, um, I'd probably disconnect from everybody, period. Mm -hmm. Because it's just easier to be disconnected than it is to deal with other people. But doing so, what stops you, uh, or should I say, what is it about prayer that keeps you from doing that? Because I feel, I feel God comforting me. You know, I could really feel it. Like, I could really feel God's presence. I could feel him comforting me. Um, you know, when I go certain places, I could feel him reminding me of things. I could feel... I could feel him switching my attitude because like when he first died, I got to a super dark place, bro. Like super dark where I didn't talk to anyone. I just cut everybody off. Like I didn't care whether I lived or died. And everybody has kind of known me for the last few years, at least for being kind of funny and being positive, being able to encourage other people. But on the backside, I was like, dude, if I could die, I would choose to die. And I went through probably about a good six months like that. Like really like one, one night in particular was just really dark. And I was like, not necessarily kind of like on the edge of contemplating suicide, you know? And then I, I'm just sitting there and I'm just like over it. I want to be with my dad and I'm tired of dealing with all the other drama that's going on. And I just get a random text from my son, Philly. And he just says, dad, I love you. Mm -hmm. And that snapped me out of it. You know what I mean? So I think those are God moments. I think it's God puts people in, to put people there to say the right thing at the right time that could, could, you know, could save our life or could, you know, stop that downward spiral that I had going on because it, it was really dark. And, and this question will be for, for both of you, but when we're with you right now, Philip, go ahead first. But have any of you done like the antidepressant thing? Um, and if not, is it just, be, is it because of your sobriety or is it because you don't believe that those are the answers? Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm anti, I'm anti anything. I don't take anything. I never, uh, I, there's just so much addiction in my family and addictive personality that I just don't mess with it ever. They tried to prescribe crazy stuff to me, you know, Ambien to sleep, um, but Prozac and then Xanax, they try to prescribe all that stuff to me because of the level of stress that they were seeing. But I just, I've always refused it. I'm not saying that some people don't need it, I'm not saying that they don't need it, but I just, there's other ways. Like for me, it's working out. Mm -hmm. When I get a lot of anxiety, I start working out. Um, when, when I start feeling really dark, I just start working out and it just, I guess, release because anxiety is just adrenaline that's trapped, you know? So for me, like the working out is the release or tattooing for me is a release. Like the day my dad died, everybody thought I was crazy because right after they took his body and everything, I went to the shop and I tattooed people close to me understood that that's just the way that I am. And it has nothing to do with missing work or needing money or anything like that. It's just, I wanted to zone out, listen to his music and just create art. 
and not think about the pain. So it's like tattooing and, and art and, uh, and working out really helps me. How about you, Vic? No, I'm, I'm the same way. Uh, I'm too scared to take anything, right? I have a, uh, I have a fear of that stuff. Uh, and I know that um, I've abused um, anxiety. I've abused Xanax and stuff like that before. So I already know for me, that'll just open up the monster for me. And the monster's nice and calm right now, so there's no reason to feed it, you know? Um, but um, but I'm like, like Philip, like working out, um, getting sun. I'm a people person now. So being around people, uh, being a service, like really helps me get out of my skin. Um, um, that's a big reason why, I mean, that's a big motivating factor in my life too. Right, um, to how people, it's like, like my life is cool. So, you know, um, but when I do get in my stuff, um, you know, I, I, I put on good music. Um, I try not to put on gangster rap music when I feel a certain way. Uh, I put on like some good, uh, you know, like worship music or uh, oldies, you know. Um, it, I'll, I'll take a shower, like a hot, hot shower and just relax and put on music. Um, I'll do some breathing. You know, um, breathing, just like focusing on my breathing. Uh, not always meditation. Um, uh, meditation does help, but I'm not the best because my mind races. Um, but uh, I think these are, uh, I think uh, these things that I learned on my journey to, to cope with um, all kinds of different stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I, I can see why Philip would want a tattoo because he's, he's doing something productive you know um something productive and sometimes you gotta and that's I, I feel like that's a form of meditation you know focusing on, on some stuff um even uh even today just being able to talk to you guys and listen is, is i just forgot about a lot of stuff in my life right now even though we're talking about my like about uh, mourning our parents i, I really kind of just like zoned out you know um i still go to my recovery meetings i still go to 12-step meetings um, I listen to a lot of sermons online when I'm driving. Um, you know, I sit there and listen. Uh, uh, I used to pray, like talking about prayer. I would pray a lot uh, to ask me, ask God to take away any anger or negative thoughts that I had toward my mom. That's what my prayer was um, for me. I prayed about that a lot. So, yeah, but. Definitely, and I'm not discouraging people. I know some people's uh, mental health is really bad. Their chemical imbalance is off, and they need, do need stuff. Um, unfortunately, I lost that privilege a long time ago, and so for me, that's that's a no for me. Well, you you touched base on on two great things that I want to bring um, in the light, and I was focusing on others. To me, I've always found that it's real hard to feel any type of um, bad emotions about myself when my focus is on others. Yep. And it's like, um, to me, that's powerful. Like, it's almost like we're built to be that way. You know, when you focus on yourself, there's so many things you could, you could pick to be upset about, depressed about, angry about. But all that goes away when you, when you just focus and want to serve others. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, that's a great way for somebody who's, you know, feeling the morning or depressed or anything to get up and just give that a try. And the other one was breathing. You know, this isn't talked about much at all. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, if you're dealing with anxiety, Philip, I know you know about breathing, Vic, you're the one who brought it up. But everybody knows you can go, you can go, what, 14 days or so without food, right? You could go three days without water. But you can only go, uh, you know, a few seconds, most of us, or a minute or so top with breathing. Mm-hmm. No one really, re- really kind of thinks about that of how important it is to get oxygen in our body mm-hmm. and, and the practice of just sitting calm and breathing and getting back to yourself. And uh, I'm sure you can look that up on, on anything on the internet, a great resource. But I would suggest as well, look into that, look into breathing and, and how much it could help us. So I'd like to move on to another question that came in and it's, and it's asking, did you ever seek help? And I know you guys have talked about the different things that have helped you. Maybe this is like a, in, a, in a professional way. Did you guys ever seek help from a professional or as a professional or um, whether a close family member? Uh, and I'll start with you, Philip. Uh, yeah, you know that funny enough, uh, I just recently sought out professional help. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been to like about three different, three different meetings and, and it, it, it's helping me out. Um, I, I was never really good at doing that kind of stuff. When I was a kid and I would get in trouble, they would mandate that I go to that kind of stuff, but I was always able to convince the counselors that I was okay. And I wasn't okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I, this is the first time that I've ever sought out help because I realized that I'm a little bit scrambled and I can't do it on my own. So, you know, like that. And then talking to people like, like. Like you're saying, and you know, talking to other people really helps me. Like I have a lot of being a tattooer, you're kind of like a, a counselor in a way. You hear mm-hmm. people's worst and you hear their best. And there's just some situations that I've been put in and I've been able to give uh, people advice um, out of my own pain. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is like I feel like the best tattoos I've ever done are in the in the worst times of my life. Yeah. No, I can see that. I have sought out help, and that, that, that was hard for me to do. They've been trying to get me to do it for a long time, and it, it had to be my own time, and I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. And, and now that you're doing it, what, what are the benefits of doing it? It's it, – because um, you talk. Like, the first couple of times, I just kind of listened to him talk, and he was saying, like, a lot of really good common sense things, but I was just kind of, like, wasn't going to open up yet, you know? Yeah, even though <laughs> you – I got to open up, and – um. He told me that he told me a story uh, about a man that every time he would go, he would go to work, right? And he would have to travel out of town. And every time he would travel out of town, if he saw storm clouds, he would freaking leave the job site without telling anyone and rush home to be with his kids. And long story short, um, he finally went to counseling because he just didn't know why he would do that. And he had a memory that was suppressed that he couldn't remember. And he remembered it um, through counseling that when he was a little kid, he was in a tornado and it ripped the roof off of his, of his house and his dad had to save him. So he saw storm crowds and it was just that trauma, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that, that, that childhood trauma that made him run away and go be with his family. So I know that a lot of the way that I uh, sabotage relationships or isolated or, or the mistakes that I made in life are due to things that I haven't dealt with and I can't live like that forever. So, I need to talk about it. I need someone to open me up. There's, I, I say there's things I don't want to remember, but now I realize that there's probably things that I need to remember. Yeah. And I think a lot, there's so many of us that we have no idea of that. 
we just yeah. we think we act the way we do and behave the way we do for just no really particular reason. Yeah. And so I know with getting help from a professional, there's a lot of stigma to that. Uh-huh. Are you like, are, does that phase you at all? Or are you, are you totally open to doing it? Any, is there any kind of like embarrassment or anything like that? No, I don't, I don't feel embarrassed. I don't feel embarrassed at all because I think that there's like the, like, like it says in the Bible, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of good in the multitude of counselors. So people that you talk to, people that you open up with, um, no, I don't. But, but really it was conversations that I had with my, my oldest daughter, Marie. And she was saying that when we lost grandpa, we felt like we lost you. And as connected and close to my kids as I am, that cut me deep. Cause I realized I did disconnect, even though I was, they were the only people that I was around at all. I still wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't being present. So when she said that, I realized like, I, I need help dude, because they really need me because it's to see what they went through losing my dad. If they were to lose me, it, it would, it would be really, really bad. Cause I, I bring a lot of stability to their life, you know? So, um, no, I don't, I don't feel embarrassed. You know what I mean? Just embarrassed of myself a little bit for not wanting to get help sooner yeah. thinking I could do it on my own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, I see, I see you share a lot on, on IG, right? And yeah. And so in one sense, I would say, well, you're not very picky with who you share your feelings with. Mm-hmm. Is that the case? Or are you picky in person? Like you won't, it's not like you're going to tell your feelings to anybody or is it different on social media that you feel comfortable doing so? Um, yeah, I, but see, I only share a portion of what I'm feeling. Uh-huh. There's only certain things that I'm comfortable uh, sharing but I know that there's specific, I don't share it for everybody. I don't share it for people that say like, Oh, I feel sorry for you or, or send you this. There's specific people that, that I, I feel like if I could be transparent and vulnerable, it helps them. Like people that I've had discussions with a lot of my clients, a lot of my young clients, one in particular that I always think about, I used to tattoo her mom when she was a little girl and her mom got murdered and I became pretty good friends with her, you know, and now she comes and gets tattooed and we talk and, and she, she told me one time that like me sharing my heart helped her, you know, and then a lot of other guys, a lot of homies will send me messages saying like what you're talking about, like what you're sharing. I wish I could say, man, but it, it, it's just not something I can say, but we're going through it and it really helps me. So yeah. I just feel like, well, if I can help somebody, I may as well. But like, like I said, there's, I'm a real complex person. So there's like, there's only a small portion of that I actually do share about myself. Yeah. And I also want to rewind back a little bit when you when you mentioned, you know, the pain of your daughter seeing that you became dis and they felt that they lost you. Uh-huh. You're in so much pain, but it's actually, I don't know if there's a stronger pain or would you say a different pain that is actually healing you from the other pain, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a different pain because I value so much what my kids are feeling. Uh-huh. And, and I don't want them to be in pain and I don't want them to feel like any kind of they I, I know how much they rely on me and need me so it kind of like it, it kind of like uh, removes me from that other stuff and it's like okay this is the purpose I've got to go through it because I got to be there for them and like we used to get together at least once a week and barbecue or eat or go to the movies together so now COVID kind of screwed all that up and we've been, been trying to be safe and socially distant but now we're just you know getting tested a lot more um, and still being wearing masks and everything like that. But now we're committing to get together. Like last Sunday we just went to the park. 
and watch the kids ride their bikes. And the kids really enjoyed it. So, like, I'm just doing my best to stay connected to them and, and, and to do things like that. So it sounds like you played kind of both sides to where you spend a lot of time alone and, and, and solitary. And then you've also pulled yourself out to be with your family. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the ratio that works for you? Because I'm sure there's times where you just need to be alone, right? Yeah, go all the way there. That's not going to be healthy either. Yes, it's because I, you know, I have like as a tattooer, you have kind of a real public job. You're always around people, but that's like just that's one persona, and then with your family, that's that's a whole other persona. So, I mean, I don't, I do like I, I dig people. I like being around people. I like talking to people, but I also allow myself time alone. There's there's sometimes when I just get in my car after work and I just drive. You know, and I enjoy that stuff, being alone. It's not that I don't want to be with people or that I have something against other people. It's just I don't want to explain my thoughts. I just want to think and I want to be at peace and I want to explain my thoughts. And I've even taken like little mini vacations by myself. Like I'm going to just jam and I'm going to go here and, and, and just be alone and just talk and things like that. So I'll, I'll make time for myself. I think every morning, every morning uh, I spend time by myself and that helps me. And, uh, you know, like a few times a month, I'll go, go to my dad's and I stay the night there. I just stay parked in front of his pad and stay the night. And I really, I need that. And that helps me. Thank you. Vic, do you seek any help? Well, yeah, I kind of like, um, so being in, uh, being in Santa Monica at the Salvation Army, um, I got a lot of practice in being open, right? Like, sharing at meetings or uh, sharing in groups and, and you know, uh, uh, the intake dude, uh, Jesse, which is a good friend of mine. Um, I could go into his office and talk about, talk to him about anything. Um, and um, still talk to him to this day. We still talk all the time, checks up, ask me questions, see how I'm doing. You know, we talk about different stuff, but um I think for me, that's what kind of kickstarted for me, sharing at meetings and, and becoming open and, and learning how to share in front of different people. I wasn't as, I would be able to talk about my feelings, emotions, but um, I wasn't to be able to get too, too vulnerable. Uh, with my, my sponsor, I was able to do that in the beginning, like I shared. And then um, I was living in LA for a while and like I lived in Santa Monica, West LA. And so people are like all about self-care out there, right? Yoga on every damn corner, um, every, all this stuff. Right. And so people were very spiritual out there, which was cool for me because I caught on to that vibe. Um, and uh, I had a lot of people talk about therapy. And so I, I tried it, you know, I tried therapy. Uh, I went to see a therapist, a male therapist for a while. And I unloaded some stuff on him, and um, it was scary. It was scary for me. Um, I remember sharing some stuff. I remember I shared one thing about my mom, and after I shared it, like I felt like, like so much weight was lifted. I remember, like I felt so like lightheaded. It was the craziest feeling, but I was able to unload it. But it, it like gave me so much freedom, and I never felt that. It was like this big old rush, and. I had been carrying that for me for so long and I got a different perspective on it. Uh, I won't share it, but I got this different perspective on it that he gave me. And I'm like, damn, I just would kill. I killed myself for that for so many years. And, you know, like, like, um, 
I think Philip was sharing when when you share something, somebody gives you a different perspective, and, and you're like, oh, sh-, you know, like, oh, damn, that makes sense. And I think that's the big thing about therapy and counseling, right? Um, it isn't like I didn't expect. Like, I wasn't dependent on these people to change my life. I know that I had to do my part. You know, I know that I go in and share. And then, you know, like like Philip says, I practice self-care for the rest of the time. I got to take care of myself the rest of the time. The rest of the time, it's self-care, you know. Um, but um, seeking, you know, I, I, you know, for me, I did that for a little bit. And then I ran away from it because I get scared sometimes. And then I went back to him, like, maybe uh, – um, um, maybe a year later, I went back to him and we talked again. Uh, he was super non-judgmental. He was just, "Hey, welcome back," you know. And and, and then I, I was that was it, you know. Um, I get to my points where I'm really open and really all about it, about you know sharing and talking. And then I'll get to the points where I depend on myself, you know. And, and but I know that um, I have I have a lot of people in my life that I could talk to. Um, I was messaging you the other day, Gilbert, um, which yeah. was cool. You know, um, I have, I've, I've learned for me what works. What works for me is um, I have a, I have different friends for different things. You know, um, different people I could talk to about different stuff. About I can't talk to, uh, I can't always talk to certain people about. Uh, raising a teenage girl. I can't always talk about people about my addiction. I can't always talk to about people, you know, about losing a, a mom. You know, I, there's different people that can relate to different things. And so um, even professional stuff, you know, even health stuff or whatever it is. So I've learned for myself to, you know, um, um, to kind of expand my, my friendships a little bit. Um, and, and, you know, um, Talk to about different people about different things, you know. I, I know sometimes um I, I can't really go talk to a pastor about when I'm feeling triggered about wanting to get high or you know, certain things in my recovery. Um, but I can go to a pastor and ask him about, you know, like biblical stuff and prayer and stuff like that. And I learned that, you know, uh, because I might get disappointed if I ask the wrong wrong person for the wrong help. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like, damn, you know, I might get a little resentment towards him. Uh, but, um, yeah, I seek professional help. I, I still do 12-step, like I said, I still do 12-step meetings. I still have people that I reach out to. Um, you know, I have, uh, um, I, I, you know, one of the biggest support groups I have is I have a, a, a fellowship of guys that have been through the same program that I've been through. And, and we all have different amounts of time, but we all get together and we talk about stuff and, we have that connection and um, it, it's cool to have because cause we know that we call each other. Whether the dude is still, um, whether the dude, dude is, is clean and sober still, whether the dude maybe has a few drinks, a few smokes, or if, maybe if the dude is still stuck on the streets in their addiction, we still kind of have that connection, you know? So I, I've, I've learned it's, it's, you know, as, as you know, um, just, just, you know, it, it makes me, you know, like, Philip hit the spot when he said that his kids felt like they lost part of him when he lost his dad. Um, and, and that's what I think about. If I take care of myself, I could be more present for my daughter. You know, when I'm not taking care of myself, I'm, I'm grouchy to her. Even if she even knows she's like, dad, you're hungry. You better go eat. And then, you know, and then I'll eat. And I'm like, Oh, you want to go to the store now? You know, I turn into, 
you know, but she knows, you know, but she's cool. And, and you know, I, I think, uh, um, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, it's just cool to have people in. Um, and I, 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 of course, like, like Philip, I, I love to lend my ear to people. Um, I, I love to do that, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I constantly have people hit me up, you know, and, and which is cool for me, you know. I make time for them, um, and so it's, it, it's, it's, it's very humbling, and, and, and also like I don't know, just a good feeling that people could turn to us to talk to, you know. Um, so yeah, I th yeah, I think that self care and talking to people is really important. You had mentioned when you were talking to your therapist for the first time and you unloaded that story. Yeah. He offered you a different perspective. Yeah. How easy was it for you to accept that perspective? Um, it was good because he explained it to me. You know, he broke it down to me. And so, um, and there was a name to it already. So, yeah, it, 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 was, it was good and, and I related to it. And so it, it was so helpful, you know. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was, there's so many people who, who are even unhappy with the way they're feeling and they'll share their experience and their story, but there's something about them like it's, uh, they're so afraid to let go of that, that yeah. perspective to even allow another one in. Yeah. And so that, that's why I was curious to know why it was so easy for you and i don't know if that was because it was ready or how you said it he explained it um the sense behind it right well yeah i was i wouldn't say it was so easy there was a little bit of challenge but i think um sometimes people identify to like a certain pain or something and if or or or, or whatever it is they identify and they hold on to that and they feel like if they're gonna lose just like if if i've been through it so many times in my recovery where like i'm like well, you know, like taking the tattoos off my face and, and, and changing things about me. I'm like, well, if I let that go, who am I? You know? And there was a fear to that. Just like when there was a fear when I left Santa Monica to come back home. You know, I had all these titles out there, all these roles that I played as a leader. And I'm like, damn, what am If I give that up, who am I going to be? So it is sometimes, sometimes it is hard. It has been hard for me to give up certain identities, you know? And, and so... um I learned from that. So I guess that's what could be where people let go, you know, especially I think with codependency, right? I think codependency is a big one, right? Um, you know, people are dependent of like another person, you know, and, and if they let go of that person, they feel like they're losing themselves. So I think people can be de dependent on some type of feeling, right? Um, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know. It's, that's just what I think. So well, identity is a strong thing, you know? It's really scary to not know who you are anymore. And, you know, and we see that a lot with the youth willing to die for for their identity. Um, you mentioned that something else was you, even though you felt it was a success, your first session or first youth session, what scared you off in the, in, you know, just out of nowhere, what scared you off to keep going? Um. I'm an inconsistent fool sometimes. <laughs> I can't harbor That's part of my, uh, uh, one of my defects. I can't stay consistent sometimes. Um, but I, that, and then um, I'm trying to remember and trying to think. Um, I don't know. I just felt all right. I can get to a point. Um, um, 
an issue that I, I have sometimes deal with is I can get to a point where I feel cool and I stop doing the things that make me feel like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know what it is, but sometimes I feel like I have to feel like a certain pain, sadness, loss, something to get to a point to where, okay, now I got to do something about it, you know? And so it's almost like, um, like I could reach plateaus, but then sometimes my plateaus get boring. I'm like, let me, let me hit a couple bumpy roads and let me go this way a little bit. And then I can get up so I can feel it. I don't know if that's the addict in me. I don't know if that's human nature. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I, I do that a lot. I have a big tendency to do that. And is that what, was that what exactly what happened to make you go back? Uh, yep, I did it again. Yeah, I was like, "Oops, let me get back over here," you know. So I'd like to um, start winding down, fellas, and start closing this down. I'd like to close it out with uh, one of the questions that we received. And Victor, I'm with you. I'll stay with you, and then um, Philip will go to you to to close out. The question we received was, how do I explain to my loved ones who feel neglected by me that I'm mourning? Because I don't want my family to feel unloved by me, but at the same time, I'm going through an extremely difficult time. How can I show them I love them without stopping my own healing? That, that one's tough for me. Um, I honestly, I, I don't, honestly don't have answers to that. I feel like Phillips talked about that more i think he has more understanding for that one i think he really touched on that um um i i think for me personally i wouldn't i mean i guess if i would have to explain to somebody i don't think they would understand it i don't think people understand what i've done to change my life only like people that are like with me but um i would say i i mean if if i would i would say it's a time maybe to be a little bit selfish, you know, and it's okay, you know, because um, I was really selfish in my recovery and and it all kind of panned out at the end, you know. Um, if, if, this pers- if this person is really focusing on trying to better themselves and mourning is part of the process, I would say, I would say just do it, you know, because wh- whether, you know, um, if you don't take care of yourself and you come out worse, your family's still going to be mad at you. You know, so there's, I guess there's going to be something there regardless. So I guess doing the right thing is probably the best choice. And then maybe later on, maybe the family will understand a little bit more as the process goes on. And, and, and this person is, is able to identify the words to explain it later on, you know, because sometimes uh, um, saying your morning is, is like the beginning. But once you get in touch with your emotions and feelings about something, then you're able to express it even more. And I, I think I would just say go on with the process and, and people are going to think what they think anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you, that, that one for me has always been hard because I've been the one that everybody comes to and talks, talks to and vents to and kind of the one that held everyone together. But like Victor said, like I had to be selfish. But um, what I did do, what was really, really hard, like for instance, with my kids, we have like a little group chat text thing, you know? And one day, I think it was right after the holidays, I just told him, look, uh, I know I'm not right. I know I'm not where I need to be. I'm really going through it. You guys all know um, I love you. I want to be there for you guys. I'm just trying to get myself right. Mm-hmm. And that's what opened the dialogue to have that conversation with my daughter. And we were able to be, be honest with each other. Like, my boys were more like how I am 
and not say anything. They just didn't even respond. They, they read it, but they didn't respond. Though they are very affectionate and loving with me, but they just don't like having those conversations. But on the flip side, my girls right away just like responded really well to that. Yeah. Um, I just let people know, and I don't allow people to invade my space. Like when I go with my dad, I don't take anyone with me. I don't want anyone to go with me. I just let everybody know that. And that was hard, man. That kicked up a lot of waves within my family. People were really, really angry. Um, I've had some family members that I was really family members that I was close to say that I was super selfish and only thinking about myself. But you know what? For the first time in my life, I am thinking about myself. And I realized that I've got to fix a lot of things about me. So if someone's going to cut me off because I'm doing that after I've explained it, then so be it. Those are relationships I don't need anymore. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And that, that's, I cut off a lot of family that um, they were just always taking from me, taking from me, taking from me. And when I stopped all of that to work on myself, they had a lot of negative things to say. That's okay. You guys can be ghosts. I don't, I don't, I don't really care. I'm just going to keep around the people that are supportive, the people that will tell me the truth. And I'm going to um, just understand that I deserve that space. And I've never gone through anything like this before. So it's a whole new process and I need to do what I've got to do because I'm, I've got a lot of people depending on me, whether it's people that work for us or, or whether it's uh, clients or whether it's family or community people that we may be working with. There's a lot of people depending on me, but I'm just no good. And I, I, I go back to think about before Jesus was crucified, not to get into a religious thing, but before he was crucified, he went into the garden and he cried and he prayed and he cried and he prayed. And often you would read in the Bible where um, there'd be huge crowds and he would jump in a boat and he'd push himself out into the sea of Galilee away from everybody. So, you know, like if Jesus had to separate himself from people to get himself together, then I don't think I'm doing so bad by doing that. Well, I think you, you made a great point when when you didn't say it like directly, but you said it through action was that you communicated it. Yeah. Cause how easy would it be to just feel the way you're feeling and just shut down and then kind of, resent everybody around you because they're still calling you they're still asking you for things but because you never told them how you were feeling right i did that initially in the beginning yeah. i did that um like i remember on my birthday like i want everyone to leave me alone don't call me don't come see me and my kids wanted to take me somewhere they wanted to do something because that's what we do you know and that was the wrong way to do it initially because i didn't communicate my feelings i just I just went ghost and said, just leave me alone. Father's Day. I want to be left alone. I don't want to, I don't want to see anybody. Hmm. So now it's like I realize that those things are important for them too. It's not all about me. And, and it's important for me because being around my, my kids and, and my grandkids especially, man, it just brings like some kind of healing and, and peace to my heart. So I realize that it's good for me. It's just you got to communicate it. And if somebody makes you repeat yourself over and over again, then their intentions are probably not well anyway. They're just real being selfish and you don't need them around. Yeah. So really, really it's hard to lose if you're communicating, right? Cause if you're communicating yeah. the, the people who love and understand you, if anything, you're going to get more help yeah. from them to help you get through. And the yep. ones that, that don't understand or get mad at you, well, that helps you shine a light on them. To know that, yeah. like you said, you probably don't need those people in your life because at the worst of times, if they still don't, if they still don't want your, got your back and they're still making your life harder when you need them the most, then you don't need them when your life is any better, you know? Yeah, God's, God's, God's simplifying everything. 
yeah. small, a smaller circle is actually much more manageable, you know, and you can invest more quality time. Well, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for um, for sharing this with us. Is there, uh, Vic, is there anything you'd like to close with before we call it? No, it, it's just nice to talk about, talk to other men about, you know, feelings and emotions and stuff like that. You know, um, it, it takes some practice. Um, it, it takes practice. It took, um, luckily, we, we've all been blessed with the experience to be able to talk to people. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I would just, I would just say if, if, if um, find what suits you, what helps you best to help, you know, as in self-care, um, you know, it, it, it's self-care for a reason. It's not, you know, that's why it's self-care. And, and so find what helps you, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, for, for me, I picked out different ideas and little tidbits from so many different people and kind of put them to use in mind. If they don't work, they don't work, you know, um, whatever works whatever works for me that's that's what i use you know but i'm I'm still allow myself to be open to uh, new ideas so opening and willingness thank you philip any closing thoughts uh you know don't i would just say be wise with who you share your most inner uh personal secrets and things like that but find somebody find like an accountability partner um what I mean by that is someone that you can talk to that's going to tell you the truth and, and hold you accountable when you're tripping, you know, um, but, but fix yourself because if you don't fix yourself, if you don't deal with those inner demons, if you don't deal with those, that childhood trauma or the things that are going on, you're going to con continue the circle. And the scariest part about that is if you continue it, it's continued in your kids and your kids will continue it in your grandkids. And there's a lot of things that were broken from my childhood that my kids didn't experience. Some they did, unfortunately, but I don't want my grandkids experiencing a lot of the things that I had to go through. So it's just that we don't want to turn our trauma into generational trauma because we refuse to deal with it and we refuse to talk about it. I want to give a special thanks to Victor and Philip for always being willing to come on the Solid Foundations podcast and share your experiences. I know this one in particular wasn't an easy one to do, but you guys didn't give it a second thought. You knew if there was a, a chance that your stories could help others, that you'd be willing to share it. So I hope uh, anybody that listened to this and it really helped you, if you know anybody else that could gain value from what we shared here today, please share this episode. And, uh, you know, tell them that they could find Solid Foundations Podcast anywhere they listen to podcasts. Just type in Solid Foundations Podcast and we'll come up. So until next time, take care. <laughs>